0: Hey guys, welcome to Let Me Talk Podcast Season 2, Episode 54. Today's guest, Charlie DiStefano, is an actor, writer, producer and part-time model. In this conversation, we talk about his journey in the entertainment industry, as well as his new short film that he wrote, produced and starred in called Is This Forever, which is dedicated to his late brother, Luca DiStefano. Please see in our notes below if you need help and need someone to reach out to Without giving anything else away, let's get into this episode. Hey Charlie, thank you so much for coming on Let Me Talk podcast today. How's everything? How's LA?
1: Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you for having me on today. I'm very excited to be here. Um, Yeah, LA's going great. I've been living here for about five months, just um, working and creating and just living in the world that I love, so can't complain.
0: Yeah, have you been there often before you came this year for the five yeah, months? Yeah, I have. Um, I went in
1: 2018 and 2019. Um, the first time I went, I went to like a filmmaker's camp in Seattle and then spent oh. some time in LA as well. Um, met some people then and then came back the previous year, went to the same camp again. Actually stayed in LA by myself for six weeks with my uh, acting coach back then, Andy McPhee, which was really yeah. Really cool. I slept on like the apartment floor six weeks by myself when I was 16, which was like the full kind of broke actor LA style. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that really helps me plant some seeds for the time I came back here after COVID and everything. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. we start with the um rapid fire just to break the ice. Um, pretty easy, pretty simple. So you don't have to plan too much. Um, uh, we okay. have to play that. Yeah. Cool, cool, Yeah. All cool. right. Awesome. So the first one is um, what entertainer inspires you the most?
1: What entertainer? Entertainer, was that?
0: Yeah, yeah, entertainer. <laughs> oh.
1: Honestly, I'd have to say someone like Matthew McConaughey um, because how he came from a family of not artists or anything, which is kind of what I came from, mm. and the fact that he was able to break away from, like, his uh, rom-coms and stuff and really put himself as a pedestal as like a really great actor and everything in more serious and dynamic yeah. roles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. Um, TV or film? What do you prefer to watch?
1: Oh, that's hard. <laughs> I'd have to say, I'd have to say TV for the, for the characters. Yeah. I like seeing a big character arc, like something like Breaking Bad or something like that with Walter White, which is crazy. Yeah. Mm. Um, then I'd probably go films for more kind of like to get to more of like true stories. I yeah, think, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, indie or blockbuster? What do you prefer to watch?
1: Um, I'm a blockbuster. I yeah. think I am <laughs> too much. I can't lie about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. What's your um favorite, Like, what's your go to blockbuster movie?
1: You know, it kind of used to be more Marvel movies, but now, like recently, they've kind of dropped the ball, and I can't stand them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I do, I really do like a good Pixar movie. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, no, they're great though. They're so good. Yeah, I love them too. Yeah. Um, and the last one is um, when are you most inspired?
1: I think I'm most inspired when. I'm around a lot of like-minded people, um, especially I feel like, I mean, being in LA, i them being feeling the most inspired because every conversation you have is with an artist, a director, a producer, a casting director, everyone's connected to the industry somehow. So I think just being around like-minded people, I feel the most inspired, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's, I feel like that's a, you know, it's a given because... When you're, when you're, like, around like-minded people, you just have that. It's, it gives, you, gives off a different energy than when you're not. I feel like it's really hard to not connect with people that aren't like-minded, but it's harder to speak about the things that you love and um, that you want to talk about and that you just wish you could talk about all day, but sometimes you just don't get that opportunity when you're not around those specific people.
1: Yeah, 100%, 100% agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you started um, like in the industry. Was this always something you knew what you wanted to do or was it like a late kind of um, realisation?
1: I think it was, I mean, in the grand schemes of someone, I think it was quite early for me in a way that um, I started kind of getting into the acting kind of classes and stuff when I was about 13 when I went into high school um mum was like to me oh you should try some acting stuff because you're spontaneous and all this and I'm like okay why not so I went to some like you know commercial castings and stuff I did a little like showcase thing for acting and oh my god I was horrendous back then but um after like years of training now and being around the who knows I was six nearly seven years hmm. which is weird I've only been nearly 20 <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah
0: still young but you started young yeah, so,
1: yeah yeah started young um and yeah I don't know it's just during the middle of high school I just really fell in love with the feeling I got from just create like you know storytelling whether that be for acting writing or directing but I think acting is my biggest thing that I love to do um yeah. I don't know it just kind of takes me out of the like you know the world and be able to just escape into something that is just beautiful and being able to like express other people's stories and everything, um, is what's just so rewarding about being an actor. Um, and then I think it was kind of like halfway through high school, I kind of got really serious about it. You know, I got like mm-hmm. a agent in Australia, then I got a management in America, and then I was like, okay, this is this is real serious now. And then I just, yeah, you know, I got a different acting coach and everything and. Um, I think the last like three, four years, I've really could not imagine myself doing anything else with my life. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you find it hard to juggle um, and kind of navigate your way with acting whilst you were in high school? Like, did you get much backlash from being in high school and kind of going like mm. full force um, with your acting career?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt a bit of like, especially in Australia, it's like you tell people like, Oh, what do you want to do when you're older? And I'm like, Oh, I want to be an actor. And they're like, Oh, okay, that's like a good, that's a tough industry. Like, what's your plan B? And all this, and you have to kind of battle with that small poppy syndrome back in Australia, which is mm-hmm. which is tough. But yeah. also um kind of rewarding in the same way because you know that you're taking your own path and you don't need to go by the norms. Um, I feel like my school I couldn't really say that they gave me much backlash I think in the only way of missing classes and stuff to go to auditions or to film or something like that that I get annoyed about but in, yeah. in, in entirety they put on some pretty good school plays Um, that I loved and they were pretty supportive of my career so
0: yeah um, were you involved in the school plays or were you kind of like not really because I know that I was <laughs> I didn't do it because I was like, oh, I can't sing. So I'm like not going yeah. like to waste my time doing it. But I didn't realise back then that it's literally, you don't have to get the singing parts, but.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, my school did like a musical and a play each year, which was kind of rewarding. I never did the musicals because mm. I can't sing anymore. Um, but I always did the plays. And I did, I think it was the first one I did, oh, when well, you're allowed to do is in year 10, the senior school play. I yeah. ended up getting the lead as John Proctor in the crucible, oh um, wow I was, I was I was fifteen when I got mm. it, and I was mostly with year elevens and twelves I was like the first year ten to ever get like the lead in the play, and I was like, oh my god and this yeah. this like this had um two hundred and seventy lines <laughs> I had to do I was on stage for two hours at a two and a half hour play, oh wow. <laughs> And we practiced it for about three months. It was the most daunting and scary thing to do, but it was the most rewarding thing ever. And I thank my high school so much for giving me that challenge. Um, Yeah.
0: Did you do much theatre or as in like aside from school, like did you you go out and do more theatre or did you kind of just go from school to like film and TV acting um, schools?
1: I think... I majority, like when I first started, I was like, no, I'm a screen actor. I'm a screen actor. I hate, I hate theater. It's too over the top. It's too theatrical and everything like that. Um, And then kind of like when I started to actually, when I started, did when I did that first play, I decided to audition for it. And then I got the role and I was like, oh, okay, I might try this out. And I actually really, really enjoyed doing the theater acting as well. Cause I, I realized it's a completely different type of acting and requires different skills, but also, works coherently with screen acting and helps you develop and grow like with your voice with yeah. working I fell in love with Shakespeare like the way the rhythm of the words work I thought that was just absolutely beautiful and I did theatre studies in year 11 and 12 in the end which was really cool learned about all different types of plays got to put mm-hmm. our own play on in class Um, did a big monologue in front of people Um, yeah I, I find I feel some people kind of drift away a lot from theatre sometimes mm. um and try and stay on screen which is okay but you just i feel like sometimes it, you can limit yourself um with what you can bring out because theatre can bring out a lot of academic and character and history about acting and plays that can really help you for getting future roles
0: yeah definitely i think it's a different also like set of training that um it's kind of really elite as well like I know that's like the worst word but like it's
1: Hmm.
0: it it adds that extra like bit of um skill that will help you like in screen acting like to be honest I've like I've got a massive fear about doing theater um (laughs) so I've I haven't conquered that fear yet and I really want to conquer it people like it's fine like I'm like yeah but what if I fake it forget my line like mid mid show like that's the scariest thing ever um if every
1: actor's is not man don't worry oh uh, yeah all...
0: but like obviously like screen like film and tv you can just like go back you know you can just like cut that's it and like go back but in theater you're like oh no like it's so scary but like I'm eventually thinking like I'm gonna conquer my fear and do it I just haven't like conquered that yet um but um you're also big... into modeling as well. So how did that kind of just come in hand in hand or did that come later on? Um, um whilst you were more settled into your acting?
1: I think modeling um came a little bit further uh in, but I don't really do it that much professionally anymore. I kind of just do it on the side as a side gig. Um yeah. I kind of I don't know, I got scouted by someone through an acting class that I was doing when I was about 14 um I got an agent for that and did some work here and there but um you know sometimes I don't really love the modeling industry I think it's quite toxic to be honest um Mm -hmm. it is I have met some really awesome people and fun people through it um and I can't complain about it and the you know the the pay is good sometimes um but now I kind of just focused more on my acting stuff. And if some modeling jobs come in, I I do them back in Australia, but yeah, not something that I kind of want to pursue for the rest of my life really. Um,
0: Did you have a specific moment that kind of made you be like, okay, this is a little bit like unhealthy in terms of being around it?
1: I think the first time I realized is when I went to New York when I was 16, um, because me and mum kind of just did a little trip to see if we, you know, like the acting industry as well as the modelling industry, because obviously mm-hmm. acting is in LA and a lot of modelling is in New York. Yeah. Um, we went there and we had a couple like meetings with some management and stuff. And it's I think the first time it really kind of clicked for me is when I. I know that I guess they have to do this, but like I walk into the room and this person just looks me from toe to head and just like, it's like, nah, nah, nah I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to get like literally objectified for the rest of my life. So that's it. I'm done with this stuff. I don't need yeah. it. I will do it for fun on the side, but I'm not going to get shoe boxed into that stuff.
0: <laughs> do you think it's like, pretty much the same as in they treat you the same the way uh like they give you as a man do you think they give you basically equal of a hard time with as the same as women as well or do you think like they kind of get it a little bit worse Um,
1: I don't know I think because I have a lot of friends who are models as well and they tell me how much like like what they have to do and you I was like, people might think that you know models are the most confident and overarching type people, but models can be the most insecure people, and yeah. that's what I kind of—that's kind of another point I realized when I didn't really want to do it—is I didn't really want to become so one self-centered in what I look about myself and judge myself all the time because mm-hmm. I'm getting judged by someone all the time about how I look. Yeah. and two kind of just my own self-esteem because these people are like they're, they're very beautiful people and they see themselves as something way lesser and I think that's really damaging and I don't know if I can speak too much on a female perspective what they're like I have heard mm. you know cases of them you know telling them they have to lose more weight put more weight on like change that size of them change mm. their they're forced to like I had a friend last week who was Told to change their hair dye to black, even though they didn't want their hair to, like they made them do it, or they have to cut a fringe or something like that. Um, and I think that's kind of with guys in a way, like they, but there is like segments to guy models, like you've got more of like, like more buff models that are more like muscular, and you've got more of the slim and tall models. So there's categories with it, and I think sometimes in female modeling, it can be quite st- stagnant and it's yeah. just like kind of one. Like, body shape which is really bad um yeah
0: yeah do mm-hmm. you don't really think it's like kind of it hasn't really evolved that much and gotten better in terms of the way um, they kind of run castings and things like that as a model well
1: I think it's definitely gotten better um with the way people view their body image and stuff like that um mm-hmm. but to the perspective of the mental health damages that it has, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know for sure. Um, I couldn't say it is or it isn't really.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, and so we're gonna get into production soon, but I kind of want to ask you about um, crazy fun park. How did you? Yeah. Had you become a part of that project? And um, I read on IMDb that they're doing a second season. So, tell us yeah, a little bit about right. what it's about and kind of. The process of how you got into it
1: yeah so um crazy fun park uh I auditioned for the middle of last year mm-hmm. um and the the show's about a um, a theme park which is a um, now abandoned but over about a 50 year 60 year period there was kids who went to this park and um died at this park of like an oh, accident wow. so on a ride or something that happened in a mirror maze or something like that. And they would, their soul would be kind of trapped there. So they would revive every night and be kind of trapped there in that park and just like pretty much stuck there the whole time. And if any like human people would come in there, they'd scare them off or something like that. And the story kind of follows Maplethorpe who goes to this park, to look at all this like look at this abandoned theme park and stuff because it's interesting mm. and he ends up falling off uh the ferris wheel and dying yeah wow and this is where he kind of comes reincarnated as this kind of trapped soul and where he meets all these other characters for instance my character is named Kelvin mcdylan and he was mm-hmm. um he died in the early 2000s so he's got you now a flip phone and the old Justin Timberlake <laughs> look in the early 2000s. Oh, wow! Um, yeah, so it's quite funny. Then you've got other characters who died in the 70s who've got 70s clothes on or 80s clothes on or 90s clothes on. So it's kind of like a cool kind of time period jumps. But the main, like, essence of the show kind of revolves around of grief and everything. Um, mm. So but also kind of looking at grief, at like a teenage um, perspective, and kind of um you know giving an idea because I feel like in you know mainstream media a lot of grief isn't kind of predicted at a teenage level and how teenagers like kind of deal with that and everything of like a friend passing away or something so it kind of follows like an emotional roller coaster of how that's dealt with and how people kind of move on from it or kind of get stronger from because obviously you can't move on from it yeah Um, but I think I really resonated with the show after my brother passed and everything. Um, and I became really close with the director and writer mm-hmm. Nick Verso, who's just become one of my best friends now. And he's going to get me to talk up a bit in a, um, some PR stuff about, you know, my experiences with grief and loss. And yeah. I think it's just got that really nice essence of like a stranger things and a nowhere boy kind of vibe show that's mm-hmm. going to be, I think it's going to do really well and even we've got even a Susan 2 kicking off filming next year again um even before the release of season 1 they're very confident on the show and I I can't wait to get back on it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and ha- was did you have like a traditional audition process or were they kind of just um was it not so tr- traditional like did you have to go in for certain rounds in auditions and things like that?
1: Yeah, so I pretty much uh, did a self tape audition during COVID. It was in the middle of like year twelve COVID. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no really in room auditions anymore, but yeah, um, I did that. And I actually, I mean, traditionally you'd get a call back and you'd you know go in for maybe a chemistry read and all that. But I um for this role I was offered it straight away, which was good after the audition. Um, I think because Nick uh remembered me from another show that he casted um. So yeah.
0: yeah, awesome. Um, so let's let's get into it because it kind of this um also folds into like production and stuff like that. Um, links in with um what you are doing in production, but mm-hmm. t- this is heavy, by the way. Like it's it's a very it heavy does. topic, but it's it's all like what we do here. I was at the end of every ep- episode, we kind of go through um raising awareness on certain topics. Um, but I feel like this episode is very much about awareness um throughout the whole thing um so what it introduce your brother and kind of yeah. his story and your relationship together and kind of mm-hmm. what influenced your short film which is what we're here for today called yeah. is this forever
1: yeah terrific thank you um so me and my brother we were only a year and a half apart and we kind of had like a very not the strongest relationship growing up um we you know as brothers do i guess we fought a lot a lot a lot a lot um and there was times where i absolutely hated his guts and there was also yeah. times where i absolutely loved him unconditionally mm-hmm. um and kind of um luca was a a big sports Big sports person, so you know he played basketball and football growing up um you know he had he kind of had a, a troubled like upbringing in a way that he he went for a few different high schools. He never really fitted in with um many groups in that um he was bouncing between sports for a bit um mm. but for a while he was kind of just drifting and floating about during high school he he hated high school a lot. But he kind of fell in love with one particular thing, which was judo, um, judo and MMA and kind of fighting. It was somewhere where he could really express a lot of his emotions that he normally would bottle up in a way into a punching bag or into a throw or something like that. Um, yeah. So he was, yeah, he was really, he got pretty quickly a high level of a a judo man and, um, also an MMA fighter and, um, Sadly, he suddenly passed away like six months after he finished year 12. Um, and our relationship was in a better sense in the past year um, before he passed away. Um, and it's kind of just been a bit of a journey for me kind of only after him passing with, every, with grief, kind of me only seeing all the beautiful things that happened between us and kind of it's funny your your brain tries to wipe away all the bad memories and
0: yeah
1: I kind of it was the biggest thing I've ever been through and obviously I still go through it every day um but I think it kind of tumbled my ideas because I knew I wanted to make a film on my brother ever since he passed but I don't know how to go about it and I knew that like going through all the stages of grief I realized that it was never truly like addressed through mainstream media especially from like the perspective of a teenage boy Yeah, I mean because kind of just like in modern society we often are brought up to fear the conversations of death and loss as it is too uncomfortable or you know inappropriate like however I kind of wanted to you know, break down those societal norms through kind of like the brutally honest style of Is This Forever? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the film really does not back down um, from pushing those sad truths of like today's issues with young men's mental health, um, while also kind of reflecting my brother's own battles of um, mental health, as well as my confusions of grief and how young people can, this can be the most terrifying situation to deal with. And Definitely. I really wanted to, I felt like really deep in my heart that I needed to kind of spread my personal experiences with mental health issues within myself and within my older brother, Luca, mm-hmm. as a, I feel like I could help bring awareness to the issues of men suffering in silence, you know, making both men and women more aware of properly checking in with their dad, their brother, their husband, their boyfriend, their cousin, their nephew, their uncle, because um, you know, sadly, men are like four times less likely to seek help, you know, often through the st- stigma of, you know, opening up, being a sign of weakness. And in reality, it's actually being vulnerable is far more brave than, you know, lying about your true mental health issues.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like um when you were growing up, you had to kind of hide that like you both had to hide that part of yourselves if you were feeling mm. um not okay and you just you were down and you were struggling especially through high school because I feel like it's really hard to fit in like it's not high school's mm. not for everyone and not everyone can find um a group of people that are understanding and that get them So do you feel like during your time and your brother's time that you um yeah you had to hide how you guys were feeling um with your in regards to your mental health
1: yeah um i definitely think in my my family like between me and my mom i was pretty good at opening up to her um my dad was a bit more closed off and everything but my brother always kind of struggled with opening up and actually talking about his feelings because I think the groups and friends that he was might have you know been around which were more those kind of macho type like oh you know keep going man you'll be fine you'll be all good it's all good get up man you'll be fine yeah. all this type of stuff um but yeah definitely I felt a lot of times in in high school I didn't know if I was able to actually talk up with my friends and stuff about certain situations. And I don't know if it's necessarily people thinking you're weaker or something like that, or you're less vulnerable. I think it's more going to be within yourself as to the fact that if I'm too vulnerable and I'm too weak, people are going to take advantage of that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is a terrible, terrible stigma to have but I think I can say pretty confidently a lot of young men can relate to that. Um, And, you know, I I did have a really good friendship group, which at times I was really able to talk up to them, which is really beautiful. And, but that was only really in the last two couple years of high school. Um, Yeah. I think through COVID as well, a lot of those issues kind of arose of people actually really needing to talk more. Um, But I think that, like, my film, it kind of also has scenes of me and my brother having chats and, like, us, you know, kind of beginning to sort of, like, open up and talk about, like, our feelings and that. But then it's just, like, it's so, like, it's so uncomfortable that they just snap themselves out of it and just talk about something manly or something like that. Yeah. Um, And it's just jumping over that wall and that barrier is what I think just get so many breakthroughs for. And I just feel like my brother was never able to have that breakthrough. Um, and I feel like this film is going to help people, you know, be able to be, feel comfortable with expressing those certain feelings with a fellow man or woman or anything like that. Yeah.
0: And um is the film, like, a 100% based on true story and obviously like is it or have you added kind of you mm. know other things to dramatize the film there is bit certain more.
1: elements that are a bit more heightened and dramatized mm. um but everything follows pretty much all of it is 98 percent true events um which is really kind of beautiful in its own essence and it's funny because i play myself in it um, <laughs> but it is the film is Americanized so it's all an American accent different character names and everything like that um, mm-hmm. I think that was more kind of personally for myself in a way that I could kind of disassociate from the scenes and everything um, so I didn't like hurt myself in the process um, yeah. I, I uh, found an absolutely terrific actor his name is Harrison Cohen, and he played my older brother um, we met about three months ago. I gave him bloody piled stack of information on my brother and he just studied it like crazy. And he, he came on set and he was a spitting image of my brother and it was
0: wow.
1: watching it back on screen. It has made me cry to like endless tears, but also mm-hmm. just smiling and laughing so much because I know that I can have that film, for the rest of my life and I can look back at that and never forget anything about my brother, which is, I thank him so, so, so much for that. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) And how did you get the rest of the crew and um, the funding together for the film?
1: Yeah. So I wrote the first kind of draft of the script in the second week that I was in LA Mm. and I was meeting up with a buddy of mine that I met a few years ago at a camp called prodigy camp in Seattle, which is this is like a week of uh filmmaking camp where you make your own short film and stuff and you work with other creatives and everything. And he was my DP on my last short film, 11 years. Um, and I texted him like, Oh, you know, what are you doing? Let's hang out. And he goes, yeah, you come to like this party or something. <laughs> and we were, we were sitting there at that party. And I was like, Hey man, um, you know, uh, you know, as you probably know my brother passed away and stuff he's like, yeah he's like yeah i realized that and i was like i wrote a script like on it um i'd love you to check it out and see what you think and he goes yeah, yeah yeah definitely um so we just have fun that night i send it to him the next day and he looks at it and he absolutely loves it um and he jumps on board straight away and for the next three and a half four months me and him edited and changed about 20 the scripts 26 times we got up to like 20 mm-hmm. an edit of 28th by the end of we got our final draft and he kind of like we kind of just produced the whole thing together we kind of just brought people in here and there like uh, composers to ad's to ac's to mm-hmm. everything we possibly could um and we made a little kind of go fund me video a few months back like um and i just put that on pretty much all my platforms and i don't know it kind of really resonated with people a lot and we got a lot of funding off that that video alone we got about 9000 usd yeah um wow. and then my my beautiful parents back home in melbourne um they run a cafe did a little fundraiser night there and some of their friends donated some stuff like a a makeup kit or like a voucher to one of their restaurants and they pretty much were bidding on everything and ended up raising six, uh, six point seven Australian, um, wow. that, that night solely, and um, it it's just it was terrific. We made all the funding and we got some incredible camera equipment. And Jonah is an absolute whiz <laughs> on a camera, and the footage is just. Uh, I'm just speechless about the footage, <laughs> um, but yeah, the process. Has been long. It has been lots of times of crying and pain and frustration and stress, but also laughter and joy. And the process has just been life changing, absolutely life changing. Um,
0: well, and within like the other cast, like the other cast that um in the in the film, was there certain people that you were basing the other cast on, like in your real life, or were they or all- they just characters that you had created out of well
1: actually yeah all the um all the kind of like main casted characters were based off real life obviously I had um my mum in there and my dad in the script um so I casted one of my teachers John Harmon from my after classes Mm -hmm. he played my dad and then I originally had a lady called Katie North which played my mum, but she had to drop out a week early a week before shooting um yeah. which was stressful um because she had family shoes obviously that's fine yeah. and then I I had um one of my family friends on board a month before that as my production designer so she was pretty much getting setting up all the sets and stuff for us and getting all props and everything and she's known my mum for about 30 years and knew my brother growing up and she was she used to be an actor she retired like 10 years ago and I was like oh do you want to play my mom and all this Mm -hmm. um and I think that worked out for the better because she brought an absolutely beautiful and authentic performance to it um and then I kind of also based a lot of yeah I had a scene with some like two of our girlfriends like they were based off our girlfriends at the time Mm -hmm. um and then I had some people that were based in the party scenes and everything um which are kind of off real characters but it was funny because I named all the characters in my film after like my best friends and stuff. Yeah. So Billy, um, the my character, uh, was actually Billy a friend back at Nevermind, Baron Hawthorne. And then <laughs> Gabe was named after my brother. Um, well Gabe, the character. Mm-hmm. And he my he's one of my best mates back in Melbourne. He he pretty much like is my brother.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then Annie is named after uh, my mum. And mm. she was uh, the manager at the buywork back in Melbourne. And then Andy was my dad's name, Andy McPhee, my acting coach. Um, the list <laughs> kind of goes on with all the other ones. They're all just named after people.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair enough. I mean, it's it's hard to, like, names are so hard to come up with in terms yeah. of, like, characters and stuff. And um, and sometimes, like, you don't want to make it too close to home as well. Like, it's how, mm. is that the reason why you like Americanized it, like was it was hmm. it hard for you to um not have it be Australian or was that kind of an easy choice for you?
1: Well, I think in the essence of it was an easier choice because I was not going to make some American actors do an Australian accent. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> also to the like kind of like the landscape and like set design that we had of being in America, it just wouldn't make sense. Um, mm. and also it was kind of beneficial to me in a way that I would give myself some American accent content that I can use. Um, yeah. so yeah it was it was easier to do it in an American sense and um, more challenging but also mm. helped um, me kind of dissociate from some of the scenes that were kind of harder and a bit more brutal to do yeah
0: yeah and how like um how did you want? people to like were there specific things that you wanted people to research and know about even if they weren't um playing your brother but like the other cast did you want them to know everything before they stepped into the short film and filming the short film or were you more concerned about like the actor that was playing your brother to kind of know everything and everyone else maybe just come up with their own character like character descriptions and backstories and stuff like that
1: yeah I think um definitely because the film kind of 90% revolves around me and my brother Mm. um so I definitely focused way more on my brother but there is also like this like third most um impactful character would have been my mom in it and
0: uh,
1: I did give her a lot like my race the actor before that I did her a lot of content on my mom she actually had calls with my mum, which was really cool. And she got to get in kind of essence of how she spoke and how she held herself and everything. Um, and then my second actor that came in uh, as my emergency, she knew my mum for 30 years. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then the um, John Hyman, who played my dad, um, had some chats with my dad as well over the phone and everything and asked him mm-hmm. some questions. So they kind of took their own kind of initiative with it, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, I think I'm more focused on giving Harrison all the content he could about my brother. Um, and we kind of just he would ask me questions constantly, like he just randomly call me in the middle of the week and be like, "What did your brother do for this? And what was he like when he did this?" And it was mm-hmm. yeah, and it's kind of good because I was the best person to ask all them. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they were all all people who were on board as actors really actually resonated and loved the script so much that they took their own initiative, so I didn't have to do too much.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what um what was the toughest scene you would say you have to you'd have to you were like you've had like what was the toughest scene you had to film like that was really kind of Mm. close to home for you? Like, did you have any scenes that you almost?
1: Was, yeah, I so I broke down it. uh um, I think one of the toughest scenes I had to do. Um, lucky enough, I've been working with a lot of sensory work with Peter Blackburn in classes here in um, and after which is if people don't know, sensory work is kind of just using your your body and your movements to kind of get you into a feeling or something like that. For instance, like you do like light and you kind of float your arms around to feel like you're drunk. Um, but you wouldn't actually be getting it and you're able to like kind of snap out of it so um on the la on the third day of shooting on the last scene, I had to do a really 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 tough scene where I had to like um find my brother in a state that was really um kind of really bad mm. um this was all true like old true story yeah and Peter was there he came on set and he pretty much would sit he sit out on sat on the sidelines and I did I think I did this tape three times, oh. but he was just down in silence to pretty much because like, I was going to a level of like terror, like, you know, boiling eyes down, like screaming, like very, very like stuff that can be quite hurtful to someone personally. Um, so he was there and he would kind of like jump in and snap me back into reality and bring me back to essence. And that was definitely something that I slept like a rock that night because it Doing that three times took a massive toll on my system. Um, Yeah. Very tough, but I'm very happy with how the outcome of the scene came out. Um, Yeah, I I think that was a tough scene for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely would be going, it's kind of like going, putting yourself back in that that real life state. Do you know what I mean? And I mean, Uh this, I mean, even if you haven't, gone through something like that and you have to play a character that has it's hard enough as it is but you having gone through that your your mind is going back to that state so yeah you have to be like in a safe place to be able to let yourself go there as well which is good that you you had that person you know kind of next to you and like coming straight in to like help you like get out of that because you don't want to, you know, grief's already hard enough as it is. You don't want to kind of have to go back and start all that process again. So it's really like, it's a really good thing that you had people that were Mm. supportive and made you feel like safe in that moment as well.
1: Definitely. I, I feel very grateful for that. And I think it was something that, um, was kind of scary at the start when i was telling peter about it is because it's like a it it was a true event and it can be too it's sometimes too easy to fall back into that memory which Mm -hmm. can be really bad um so that was something we had to be really careful of when we were doing it like we all peter brought like jonah the dp out and harrison outside and we we talked about it for 20 minutes to make sure that everyone on set was safe and kind of a close type set type thing um but, um, yeah, it's it, – I it was definitely very, very thankful to have those people there and be so comfortable and supported by it.
0: Yeah. So I know you, like, came up with the short film and, like, you started writing it, but did, but did you have any hesitancy to, like, make this as a short film? Like, did you have kind of fears of – um? Doing it, or were you kind of just like, I want to do this, like I'm strong enough to do this? Or did mm-hmm. you kind of like um go back, like backpedal a little bit before you fully decided that this was what you wanted to do?
1: I think I know that I really wanted to make a film about Luca, um like even like weeks after he passed. But I, I think the main thing I was scared about was I didn't really, really know how to go about it. And especially I was so flooded with year 11 and 12 of high school and being in COVID um, that it kind of, you know, gave me this brain mush of not being able to think about it enough. Um, yeah, I think that was probably my biggest fear of not knowing. I wanted to be able to express my brother's story in the best way best possible way and i didn't want it to be anything that was kind of mediocre or something that was just like thrown together in a, in a week I, I wanted to make sure that i really respected his life and not just as my brother but just also as a person so that whoever were to watch and you know see what my brother was like when he was with us they'd you know see the true side of him um and I think I've really done that now and I'm very happy that I took those two years to kind of let it all marinate and come up with the best idea and work with the best people. Um, yeah, I think that was my biggest fear just being able to express his life in the best way I could.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you, um, like your family have created a foundation for your brother. So how did that come about and, like when was that created and how did it get started?
1: Yeah, so um, that actually kind of happened pretty pretty soon after my brother's funeral. Um, we, me and my mom knew that we wanted to create a foundation to keep Luca's legacy alive. Hmm. So yeah, it's called the Luca De Stefano Foundation, and we pretty much help um, kind of underprivileged and underfunded kids in the judo community of us all over australia to we pretty much it's not a foundation that needs a whole bunch of money a year and we kind of support kids in getting judo geese sending them off to international camps or national camps for competitions and um kind of just making sure that we keep you know that story alive of luca's legacy of being such a big judo man in that sport um and helping just to support that kind of, that young community. Cause judo is such a sport that requires so much respect to be in it. And you have, there's levels and everything. And it's, it's a, it's like a way of life and to be able to support someone, like from people from re- less privileged areas, privileged areas. Um, I think we can really change some lives. And I feel like we already have, cause we have about, um, 22 kids that we sponsor currently at the moment which is pretty amazing um and they we send them often to judo camps and stuff so some for instance we would pay for you know petrol for them to get there or we would pay for their flight so we would you know get them uh, pay for their entry to the competition or get them a new judo gi or something like that yeah yeah so, wow. um,
0: beautiful that's yeah. that's really like just beautiful to do something like that but also you know I feel like it's such like it's the worst time when you are going through something like that and it being someone that is in your immediate family and you're you're still able to see like that's a light in so much darkness um and just being able to make a difference and things like that it's just a it's just a light at the end of the tunnel that you You kind of need in order to bring yourself out of all like the darkness of grief and losing someone. So I think it's it's super important to do that as well. And I mean, some people don't, and that's like okay. But if you if you can do that, it's it's really it's really special. And it and it and to change other people's life while you're in your life, you're going through so much pain. I think it's really selfless thing to do.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. What? Um, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. She's the one who's really kept this alive with this foundation, and I don't want to take too much credit for it, but I've been there to help her when I can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this that takes a lot of strength. Like your mum, like that is that takes yeah. a lot. You know what I mean? I mean, like I don't know what it what it's like because I'm not a parent, but it's it. it I, I could only imagine. Like how earth shattering it would be to have to go through that, and then to be strong enough to create a foundation and put like all of her, her energy into that—it's that's just incredible. So, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you hope like the film goes? Um, like after post production, what are you um hoping to kind of? Um, put it into certain specific film festivals or are you just going to kind of put it everywhere and see what where it gets most attraction?
1: Yeah Um. so pretty much we've been a bit to be honest been a little too slack with where we want to put the foundation I mean not the foundation sorry the film yeah. Um, <laughs> um. yeah but we've got a really good plan of kind of a track of where we want to bring it for kind of the film circuit next year and everything. Um, We should have a, we've got our first rough cut um, and it's sitting at about 23 odd minutes. So kind of finding out what bracket of what film festivals we can put it in. Um, all that and probably having a shorter cut of the film of ones that we other ones we want to put it in Mm -hmm. uh but the big essence of of it was to put it in heaps of film festivals and to spread as far as we can get it on as many eyes as we can and change as many lives as we can Mm -hmm. but um, we also want to use it uh, as a proof of concept film um to be pitched to production companies to maybe eventually get a feature film funding um because i feel like this film can really stretched out can has a really good potential for being something very beautiful for people to relate to on a bigger scale.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And to end the um, episode, I just want to ask like, what would you say to someone who's kind of in the middle of the grieving process in a similar situation as you like, what's your bit of, I mean, I know like it's hard, but um, I yeah. feel like your situation is also very unique because you were a teenager when your brother did pass away. So, what would you say, like even specifically to teen boys, teen girls that are um, going through something very similar and have had lost a loved one in a very similar way? What would is there anything that you would say to them that may help them come out of the darkness that they're in right now?
1: Um. I think that everyone goes through grief in all different sorts of ways. There's no one way mainstream to it. But I think the most important thing you can do is really, really, really take care of yourself and surround yourself with people that love you and want to be around you. Um, Don't do anything silly. Um, And, yeah, just look keep keep joyful and everything but i think something that my mom really um told me when i was uh going through it all is that the sad truth is that um this pain will not like leave you because grief does last forever um but it really is something um that you do become stronger with and you you do change from um because Grief really is just disguised as love that can't mm. go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it like that, you can kind of look at the the cracks in your heart and let that kind of... My mum says, let the light shine through those cracks because they won't heal, but let your heart feel warm from the experiences you had with that person. Yeah.
0: Wow. I like that. That is like... Re- that's really powerful. And you can also like from grief comes you know you can do so many things like even if you're not an artist and even if you're not putting it into like creative things there's so many other things that you can do to help yourself um kind of like just process it all and things like that like I know that with things that I've gone through lately like I you know I'm not up to the stage where I'm writing anything about it yet but even if you, you know, even if you're like a, a into fitness, you know, going to the gym, like just doing anything that um, can take your mind off it in a positive way is kind of, I feel like the best way to, you know, relieve that anxiety and stress around the whole thing. But 100%. yeah, because I mean, as a teen, I'm like, you can, you can do your brain isn't fully developed so you can do really bad things and harm yourself and I yeah. feel like even this film will help people look at more um, beneficial ways and more um, you know different ways to handle things in a better way versus like you know just going to a park and getting drunk on your own Um. so wow. I think I think yeah, I think this film, I mean I haven't seen it, but I'm sure that when I do see it, like it's going to give so many teens and younger adults a more positive way to deal with things and to put their to voice their like what they're feeling in a better way as well. So I think it's going to make a lot of differences. I mean, I'm not sure if you're planning on kind of going the school route and making it something that um you know, I mean part of a curriculum in some way with mental health because I know a lot of schools are doing that starting to do that which I think is really important um it's definitely something
1: to look into for sure
0: yeah well I mean it's yeah it was a hard episode this week but I I hope (laughs) people take something from it I mean I'm sure they will you you're really brave to come on and talk about this so I really appreciate it and yeah I wish you best of luck with the film and with your career in general, I think, yeah, it's super inspiring that you have had the courage to do this and especially since it's still so raw and so, like, recent, I, yeah, I commend you on doing it and just being brave enough to do that.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. And, of course, um, I really want to spread my story everywhere I can and thank you for letting me do that today. I really appreciate it.
0: Of course. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank
1: Thank you so much.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find us on whatever podcast platform you use. And whilst you're there, please leave us a comment, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you.